Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Show. You are listening to the first and only podcast dedicated to the business of pharmacy. Hear from independent pharmacy owners, leading entrepreneurs, political strategists, healthcare technology trends, career coaching, interviews about our pharmacy industry, and more. Be sure to subscribe to the show via iTunes and leave us a voice comment from our contact section on the website. You can find all of our episodes at pharmacypodcast.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Jeff Kosowski. I'm the Senior Vice President of Corporate Development at American Well, a telehealth company, and you are now listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. Hey, pharmacy community. Welcome back to the Pharmacy Podcast, and this is part of a technology initiative segment and more so my curiosity uh, continuing to look at what trends are happening in our healthcare system and fellow podcasters at Intrepid Now have focused a lot on telemedicine uh, Joe Lavelle and his team and um, how telemedicine how telehealth will play into and shape our healthcare um, industry and what things are going to look like 5, 10, 20 years from now is going to be much different from uh, today and a lot of that's going to come from uh, telehealth like technologies especially in the pharmacy industry and health system pharmacies and how consultations and medication therapy management all of this is going to be uh, driven through technology and building efficiencies i'm very excited about to talk about finger on the pulse of understanding the telehealth trends and how it's truly applicable and not just a buzzword I'd like to introduce Jeffrey Kozalski. He's the Senior Vice President of Corporate Development at American Well. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast. Thank you very much, Ted. Uh, Pleasure to be here. So before we get started, let's give uh, the listeners uh, some of your background and how you came to American Well and and why you're so interested in, in telehealth. Sure. Uh, it, American Well is really the end point of a, a long, winding path. Um, I started out life as a uh, MD-PhD uh, through the Harvard system, and my PhD was in the technology space and applied math. And um, at the, 20 years ago, there wasn't a lot of t- connections between technology and medicine. I went off and spent a number of years in consulting at McKinsey, and over time, the last 20 years, I've worked with a large number of clients. Uh, both as a consultant and also internally from a management perspective in a variety of spaces, both in healthcare and without, uh, including in e-commerce and telecom. And I always felt there are different parts of me that didn't come together. And really not until coming to uh, American Well did I really feel that all my pieces came together in terms of merging my technology background with my clinical background and at the same time uh, my business interests in really creating and, uh, and building out a new industry. So uh, we look at the stats out there, we look at the news out there saying how primary care physicians, um, there's not enough of them to see the number of patients that needed. And we hear about the, the, the stressful stories about being a primary care physician and seeing you know, 20, 30, 40 patients a day. And you think of our world of information access. Um, you know, I'm 43 years old, so I remember the days without without mobile phones. But 20 years from now, that 40-year-old's never going to remember a time that they didn't have a mobile smart device in their hands, a tablet, something. So the evolution of all this has driven us to um, the world of what is telehealth. And it was a real, you know, sexy so buzzword, say, two years ago, five years ago. 
Today's that's not the case. Today it's real business. It is a it is a real application. It is a real part of healthcare, and American Well really seems to be kind of in the middle of it all. I happen to be obviously on the pharmacy side. You're uh, catering to um, a myriad of different healthcare providers, starting with health systems. Give our listeners uh, uh, American Well's focus and um, and who your primary uh, targets are for uh, customers, but then. Also give us some secondary and tertiary ideas, too. Sure. So I actually want to build off of your introduction there, talking about the overworked uh, provider, and also give a sense of the consumer. Because in many ways, this is really um, the consumerization of healthcare too. And the typical challenge of medicine has always been that there is a certain limited group of providers. Um, all of us, at some point, are consumers of healthcare, but we are not always at the same time in the same place, and there might be mismatches between supply and demand, accessibility issues, convenience issues, um, affordability issues, quality issues, um, where are the specialists, where are the generalists, and whereas one could always do a rudimentary form of telehealth, whether you know, but you could call up your doctor, you could speak to a nurse after hours, you could have 100 years ago uh, use a telegraph out in the wilderness to maybe ask a question. But we really never had a way to efficiently bring together clouds of physicians and clouds of consumers and match them up appropriately and deliver a high-quality, full-spectrum clinical visit. And that is um, what we do here at American Well. And we started naturally on the first use case is really selling to um, health plans and employers because they saw the initial value here of keeping a patient out of the emergency room or out of the urgent care clinic. Very simple ROI. If I can treat you right there on the telephone, we all know that about 85% of the people who go to emergency rooms really shouldn't be there. So if I can keep that 85% out by triaging them and treating them real time in a telehealth consult, that makes a lot of sense. Employers liked it too because in addition to the cost savings, they were able to get productivity savings by not having employees leave work to either treat themselves or their families. Um, The really exciting point uh, was about a couple of years ago when this matured or started to mature beyond an urgent care solution to broader use cases and really get into the heart of clinical medicine. And that's when we started reaching out to health systems who deal with all the complexities of healthcare, the 80 to 90% that's not just urgent care, sore throats, headaches, UTIs, and things like that, but really deal with continuity of care, the whole life cycle of care, chronic care, and that's where we started to get much more integrated into the health system. And from there, we've expanded to a number of other different segments that touch healthcare, because when you're about when healthcare is 17, 18% of the economy, pretty much everybody is a consumer of healthcare and every business almost touches healthcare. So that's what's brought us to other um, allied industries, uh, whether it's uh, nursing homes and long-term care or pharmacies and retail and pharmaceutical manufacturers. They all play a component in healthcare and the ability for all of them to bring providers of care closer to consumers of care is an important part of their business model. What's interesting from what you're saying also, Jeff, is the fact that these health systems know that their patients are looking for these services, especially sporadic and or very quickly. You know, the 2.30 in the morning um, condition of the three-year-old and the worrying mother or father, and they're doing Google searches, and they're trying to find answers, 
it's nice to grab that mobile device um, and you know dial into a uh, physician and have that trust and, and at least getting some guidance and that's one of thousands of different scenarios that may take place in the use of what is telemedicine, telehealth. But those organizations, um, that hospital system, um, you know, doesn't want um, to lose some of that business, obviously. And I think there's a, a case here that if you surround, if you're a part of the Texas Health Network or Un University of Pittsburgh Medical Center, UPMC or Intermountain or something, and, and you're part of that health system already, uh, an ACO model, or you got your insurance, you got your doctors, you got your pharmacists, your specialists, why not, you know, as a health system, offer up to your patients through, I don't know, a mobile app or something, this telehealth connection to keep everybody, um, you know, within that same health system? No, so that's a very good point, Todd. And, and one of the ways that we're different from uh, some of the other competitors out there. So, for example, our company name is American Well. It's really much more of a B2B or business-to-business -business brand. We do have a direct-to-consumer offering under our Amwell brand, but our primary business is not in creating a parallel health system. So we're not trying to create a separate brand to compete against the literally you know, trillions of dollars that have been invested in our traditional healthcare system. But rather, we're going to players in the, in the healthcare chain and that could be anywhere from the ones we talked about, the core ones, the health plans, the and the payers uh, of health or the providers of health like health systems and physician groups to other players that we talked about like pharmacy and, and pharmaceutical companies and PBMs and many others. Um, but so rather than competing with them and saying, hey, come to us instead of you, we're bringing them a platform that allows them to extend their services. Um, both geographically, one of the interesting things about the uh, provider brands is that you really only practice medicine within driving distance of yourself. And yet there are great brands out there and great providers out there that telehealth could project that brand further. And additionally, we're able to give that convenience that people who are difficult to come into the, into the uh, clinic or the office or the ability to follow up after discharge. So it really extends the footprint and the touch of the provider into the patient's home, literally. Yeah, and it's interesting you touch on that. One of the latest articles that I've read is about uh, patient monitoring in the homes. It's an extension of telehealth and the wearables that can be coupled with this uh, to really tag in and touch into the Internet of Things and gathering true uh, life data and being able to score that data back to um you know, the ongoing patient record and monitoring. And I think that that is fascinating. Um, you know, I've talked with uh, Digital Health, who I, I nickname him Digital Health Godfather, uh, John Nosta, who's a, a world traveler and, and goes over the, the advantages and disadvantages. And he's really a philosopher uh, in digital health. And he said, you know, you're going to be able to use the restroom in the morning someday, walk on a carpet someday, uh, open up your refrigerator someday, start frying maybe an egg or some bacon or some toast. And all of these devices, your carpet, your uh, restroom, your refrigerator uh, could be interconnected through your Wi-Fi networks, feeding information to, uh, you know, a data repository. And it may sound like, you know, big brother-ish and too much over-monitoring, but in essence, it's going to trickle down to being more about you as a consumer controlling your health based on monitoring and be able to pinpoint accurate 
uh, turn on a dime, make changes in your life that can really extend your life and make your life that much better. There's no question about that with the Internet of Things and the uh, revolution in sensors that um, it won't be long before there's more data, and there already is more data, at least in certain areas, that will come out of the sensors around you than that will be able to be gathered in a physical visit. And so once you have all this data around you, it begs the question of why come into the clinic if I have even uh, more uh, abundant and more detailed and more predictive data right there. So instead of bringing the patient to the clinic, bring the provider into the home where all the information is because we believe that there always will be a provider um, who needs to uh, to help direct care, make some of the difficult decisions, um, whether at a scientific level or even at some of the emotional level of caring. So bring that provider into the home, enforce it and reinforce him or her with all the data around you, and you have, um, over time, an increasingly robust uh, clinical visit. Exactly. It's, it's just something that's uh, going to continue to accumulate. Um, I, uh, I always wonder how uh, the different entities will really be able to play together. The hospital system starts out possibly with the patient, releases that patient to their home, and now they're in the care of the pharmacist, obviously, to continue that therapy, especially if there are medications involved which most of the time that there is. So how does American Well play with or uh, collaborate with a pharmacist specifically? Right. So as we think of all players uh, in the whole healthcare value system, you know, we need to make sure that we understand what roles they play, what their interests are, both clinical and business, because if you don't understand that, it doesn't matter what technology you bring. It's just not going to work. You'll be spit out. So we've spent a fair bit of time thinking about the different players in the pharmacy uh, value chain. And, you know, it, and one has to think about both the business side and the clinical side. So from a business side, um, pharmacies or pharmaceutical manufacturers um, want to sell more product. And for a pharmacy, that might be both back of the store. It is both back of the store and front of the store. So you'd like more traffic. Um, for your prescriptions. You'd also like more traffic into your store. And also you want to be able to see are there other services that uh, one wants to sell. So we've, we think about all those components and we believe that telehealth has a role to play in all of them. Um, additionally, that, let me add one other area, which is to enhance the value of existing services by giving additional information around, um, uh, around the administration of uh, medications. So there are a number of use cases um, that, that, that we've talked about. So if one wants to think about um, adding services, um, we know that there are a number of pharmaceutical chains who've, who put uh, literally staff clinics into their stores, and they're doing that to drive traffic and also to add a service. So telehealth is a way to do that without the uh, full investment in people and in building a clinic there. And from our perspective, that can be done. We have kiosks that deliver that service, and one can therefore have uh, a, 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 an accessible kiosk in the store that provides a physician-level visit for all the hours that the store is open. And our value proposition there is that it's cheaper than bringing a nurse practitioner. You have extended hours versus what may be staffed by a nurse practitioner, and you're able to see a physician. 
So that's a great value proposition uh, relative to having to build out a clinic chain. And certainly for smaller uh, pharmacies or pharmacy chains that maybe can't afford to build their own clinic, they basically have an out-of-the-box offering that uh, can be staffed, uh, for example, by our own providers at, at minimal setup costs and therefore offer a competitive offering to those who have built out uh, more significant um, in-store, uh, physically manned clinic offerings. So that is a way to add medical services right into your store. Um, but clinics is, uh, kiosk is only part of is only one endpoint. Actually, most of our, our our patients and consumers access us through uh, mobile devices, as you had alluded to. Um, that would be phone uh, uh, smartphones and tablets, or they can do it through laptops and PCs. So the other opportunity is to provide that service anywhere so that consumers have anywhere, anytime access to potentially a pharmacy-branded telehealth service, telehealth medical service, that uh, might, and again, one has to be careful about all the legal and regulatory choice issues, but that would tend to drive prescriptions and traffic to your store. So if there is an X-branded telehealth offering that may be integrated into a mobile app that a pharmacy produces, and we've just recently released an SDK that allows telehealth to be integrated right into the uh, mobile portal um, that may be offered by a retail pharmacy, that can be used to create a telehealth visit that can lead to an e-prescription, that can lead to that being fulfilled in the store, um, and, and then store traffic and store revenue. Again, I don't want to gloss over the fact that there are various legal things ones have to be careful about in terms of not um, uh, forcing uh, prescriptions one way or the other. Um, so that's another use case. So it's taking that telehealth physical uh, visit outside of the store and driving both uh, revenues around the value created around that visit plus potentially store traffic front back of the store. Another way of looking at it is uh, around pharmacy services. Um, and you know, over the summer, we published an article in Pharmacy Times talking about some of these use cases that the, uh, when one thinks about it, when one speaks currently to a pharmacist at the point of uh, dispensing a drug, it's probably the absolutely wrong time to speak to a pharmacist. You're feeling sick or your child's sick. You're standing in line. You're tired. You're, uh, you don't have a lot of privacy. The pack, you haven't even seen the drugs. You don't even know what questions to ask. There's somebody in line you know, trying to push you forward so he can fill his prescription, and you're expected to think of all your possible questions. <laughs> right. Well, the real time to ask a pharmacist is when you get back home, and now you're saying, wait a second, do I take this before or after dinner? Can I have wine with it or can't I have wine with it? Or I'm feeling nauseous afterwards or, ha or I have a little itching. Is that a side effect or is it just, you know, I've got a scratch I need to itch? That's the time when I want to ask my pharmacist, and I guess you could go pull out your package insert um, or the bag and call some 800 number and wait and hope you speak to the right person. I guess you could probably get back in your car, but I'm not sure that pharmacist is really eager to see you because he's uh, dispensing drugs to the people, other people online. Right. You could call your doctor, but that's not necessarily the right person to call. Wouldn't it be great if you could log on to a telehealth app that would be staffed by pharmacists? And that doesn't necessarily, from a chain perspective, that doesn't necessarily have to be the pharmacist who dispense to you. It could be a floating pool of pharmacists, um, either ones who are dedicated to this, or it could be pharmacists who are uh, just happen not to be busy at that point because our system is very good at matching supply and demand. It's that notion of cloud of providers and cloud of consumers and using a good matching algorithm um, to, to match supply to demand. So that would allow, you, you could be in your bed, 
you push on that, have a video visit with a pharmacist. You could show a rash. You could um, show uh, any other potential side effect. You could have a face-to-face and ask your questions to the pharmacist. Um, conversely, um, another thing that our app application allows and our platform allows, and this is both true for medical visits and for pharmacy-type visits, is the provider, rather than having the paradigm of the consumer coming to the provider, the provider can proactively reach out to the consumer. So in the pharmacy case, um, perhaps a refill wasn't picked up, or even maybe the initial prescription. If you have a relationship with that patient, you might send an email, and which we call a telehealth now invite, which within a couple of clicks would hook you up with the pharmacist, and you could talk about why you didn't refill, why you didn't pick it up. Um, if there's some other compliance issues that you're concerned about, the pharmacist could check on you. Um, there are, if there might be various sliding scales or other complexities to the administration where the pharmacist could reach out to you. Perhaps there's some training that needs to be involved or refreshed. That's something the pharmacist could do. And these are uh, some of the use cases also that overlap with a pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical company that as we get into more complex uh, drugs that may have more complicated modes of administration or that from a business perspective are extremely expensive, things like proper administration and compliance become increasingly important from both a clinical and an economic perspective. So again, you may want either the pharmacist or in the case of a pharmaceutical company, someone from the pharmaceutical company to reach out to the patient to engage around education, training, and compliance. So I think you can see here that there's a really large, a real richness of uh, potential interactions, whether it's traditional healthcare that's associated uh, and complementary to the pharmaceutical uh, business or the pharmacy business, or whether it is straight service um, that's being provided by a pharmacist or a pharmaceutical company to enhance the value of the prescription, uh, to improve compliance, uh, to build stronger relationships with your consumer. So basically, these are all ways of, first of all, uh, differentiating oneself with service. Second of all, uh, driving loyalty uh, and traffic uh, to your store. And third, the potential um, to add um, paying new services that maybe you did not have access to or you didn't have the scale to provide um, relative to your competitors. During the inception of any new technology, there's always, uh, you know, pushback. An article that came out on Forbes just this afternoon is titled, As Obamacare Doctor Networks Narrow, Telehealth Wants to Get In. And there's a quote um, in, the, in the paragraph down below that is, you know, pro-telehealth uh, and, you know, it, it's saying of, of the benefits and where it actually makes the most sense. And then there's this uh, researchers from Georgetown University that uh, say that certain states restrict access to telemedicine and saying that certain patients need to see doctors in person and face-to-face opposition from local clinicians who think telemedicine could replace them or be used as a leverage against them in negotiation over fees. I think it's hogwash, and here's the reason. Everybody knows that uh, when the telephone came out, it didn't uh, do away with the handwritten letter. It didn't do away with the handshake or actually going to meet somebody face-to-face in communications. It was an evolution of communication. And that's exactly what telehealth is as well. It's an evolution of uh, communications. It's an evolution of medicine and medicine um, provisioning. 
and um, and it and we all know that you're going to go face to face with a physician at some time. So when I hear these arguments, regardless of it being um, by someone on the street or some university with lots of research uh, credibility and, and and money behind them, um, those kind of arguments to me kind of fall flat because it's not a replacement of the physician. It's an evolution to extend physician and pharmacy services to, to patients that need those services as a supplement to healthcare and to uh, seeing your primary care physician or seeing your primary pharmacist. So that was a really um, rich introduction to a couple of points I'd like to follow up on with you. So first of all, one of our um, famous internal lines that we use a lot is that we think that the word tele is going to go away from telehealth. Just like you don't talk about telelawyering, um, you just go to a lawyer. Sometimes you go to that lawyer's office, and sometimes the lawyer says, don't bother coming in, I'll just call you on the telephone. And we believe that's going to be the future relationship with physicians. Sometimes they're going to say, you need to come and see me, I need to touch you, I need to do a procedure on you. And sometimes they're going to say, why don't you check back in four weeks and we can have a brief um, video visit and we'll go over that. That is a natural way to do it. It's an integrated way to do it. And it goes back to my earlier point that we're not trying to build a parallel health system, one that's telehealth and another that's a bricks and mortar, but rather, just as you said with a phone and a letter, we're trying to extend the power and the efficiency and the accessibility and the convenience of the existing health system by layering on this new technology. Um, the second point you had made was, you know, a couple of states uh, that, uh, that may not be telehealth friendly at this point. Um, I'd like to, it's all relative. Let's look back a couple of years. Um, our company started about uh, close to 10 years ago. Um, when we started, telehealth wasn't allowed in any state. And uh, our founders, and this was long before my time, literally went around state, state by state. Um, both, of our, our, both of our founders are, uh, are physicians uh, by training. And they worked with the individual uh, medical boards starting in Hawaii, opening up telehealth, talking to them about, the, about how we can have quality clinical visits, talking about the importance of video. And we very strongly stress the importance of having as much sensory engagement as possible um, so that people are not trying to practice medicine over chat or telephone, and certainly wherever possible using video. And so on the map, and we literally draw this map in reds and greens, it started off all red, and now the map is almost all green. There are a couple of states that are holdouts, and one thing, again, relative to our competitors is we've been very careful to only practice where it's officially legal. Um, we do have some competitors who are being sued by the various states, but we felt that we want to work with the health system. We don't want to be in opposition to the health system. It's very important to support and strengthen the existing institutions. So there are a couple of uh, states, and Texas being uh, probably the, the only really significant one that has some limitations on telehealth, particularly around meeting a doctor that you do not yet have an existing phys uh, physical relationship with. But this map has rapidly changed, even over the last couple of years, to the point there really only are a couple of spots of red on our maps, and we believe that those last barriers um, will very quickly go away. Another point that you alluded to is in terms of reimbursement and, and who gets paid. Um, that, too, is changing. Um, some of the largest health plans uh, and, and ones that uh, work very closely with us and our partners, such as uh, Anthem and United uh, have both uh, announced that they are uh, covering more and more patients for telehealth. Um, also, from a regulatory perspective, 
Um, about half the states have some type of mandate for telehealth reimbursement, and about a quarter of them actually mandate parity for telehealth. Uh, the big holdout at this point is Medicare, and some of that is due to bad history where Medicare has opened up a small loophole and all of a sudden people drive trucks through. So they're worried about that if they open up telehealth too widely, there'll be one clinic that will do 10 million visits a year and will bill Medicare for billions and billions of dollars. But even that is changing as Medicare is moving towards risk programs um, with some of the next-gen ACOs. They're also allowing telehealth. So we see all those barriers going away and creating a very nice field for telehealth, a very a nice level playing field, and sometimes even in our favor because there are a number of employers or health plans that actually charge lower co-pays for telehealth versus in-office visits because they see the economic advantages. And, you know, one of a part of our general um, strategy or, or one of the benefits is we are creating that network. Um, we have, you know, we, uh, a large uh, fraction of the U.S. population has our telehealth available as a potential benefit. So we have a large number of payers that are within our network and that uh, we work with, a large and increasing number of health systems, employers, uh, and other elements in that in our ecosystem, and we believe that all these elements come together, reinforcing each other, because the the healthcare system of the future is not and of the present is not just of it has many players in it, and we all need to learn to work together. And if telehealth can therefore be used as a way of stitching together these players, bringing them together, creating a better value and experience for the consumer at a more affordable cost and we can work with all the players in the ecosystem um, using a common technology, then we think that's going to benefit everybody. And it all makes sense to me, and it's exactly what I've believed in since even hearing uh, the word telemedicine or telehealth, which was back in 2006 when I, I remember, and I wasn't quite sure exactly what it was, but as someone who's always embraced technology, um, not necessarily on the bleeding edge, but definitely cutting edge, it, um, it all makes sense. Um, we are excited about American Well. If you're listening and you want more information on this organization, please go to AmericanWell.com. And uh, Jeff, it'd be great to have you and your team back uh, later on a follow-up pharmacy podcast. Thank you very much, Todd. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and it's really been inspiring um, with your questions and your knowledge of the industry and your insight into where it's going. Thank you. We were on with Jeffrey Kozowski with American Well, a telehealth technology company making American Well. And it's been exciting. And we thank you for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. Hey, before I let you go, please remember June 1st, the new Pharmacy Podcast show. Be sure to tune in on June 1st for our 300th episode and the complete redesign of the PharmacyPodcast.com site as well as our abilities to generate digital health content and lead development support for those organizations wanting to tap into the influential power of using podcasting to get your message out to stakeholders, prospects, customers, and influences in our industry. Very excited about the new Pharmacy Podcast. Be sure to tune in and listen June 1st pharmacypodcast.com. And as always, thank you so much for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Show.